all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? Hi, I'm Rachel. And I'm David. And you're listening to All Bad Things. So today's very, very bad thing is very, very bad because it's about babies. Oh, we have not. We haven't. We haven't. Mm. uh, We're going where no All Bad Things podcast has gone before. Yes. Well, kind of. I'm sure children have died. Oh, Lake Neos. Absolutely in Lake Neos. Yeah, probably kids died there. Oh, absolutely. There were villages. So yes. Remember the guy with his daughter who he found dead? I don't know how old she was, but yeah. So. And. uh, This is. Are you saying this is specifically babies? Yes. Really? Okay. This is actually specifically 100% babies. Okay. All right. Well, I'm. I'm interested, but in a horrified, curious way. Yes. Is that a thing, to be horrified and curious? I guess, yeah. I think so. Yeah. I think that's pretty much what we are yeah. most of the time Isn't about things. Isn't that what things. bi-curious is? I'm just, I don't, I'm just, I don't. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you might be horrified, <laughs> who knows? Guess. Yeah, if it's your first time. I de- <laughs> guess it depends on what you're into. Okay, so have you ever heard of thalidomide? It... For some reason, it sounds familiar, but I couldn't tell you what it is. It sounds like a chemical. Yeah, okay. Yes, you're on the right track. That's what it sounds like. This is kind of an older thing. If you're a millennial or even a Gen Xer, you maybe have not heard of this or heard much of it. It might sound familiar, but that's it. The first time I ever heard of thalidomide was when I was learning, because I did actually... When you were learning about babies dying? No. (laughs) (laughs) I I deliberately learned all the lyrics to We Didn't Start the Fire. (laughs) By Billy Joel. That's it, and that's a that that ha, that song has held up as what it was to begin with a terrible song. It's fantastic. It's like a mini history lesson. It I is. love that song. Really? I know all the words to it. I I think everybody knew at least a maybe one verse to it here or there. I can. I, I did. I probably did. But this one. So this is Marilyn how I heard of it. Monroe. Marilyn Monroe. That's not a whole verse. And that always makes me start thinking of The Office. Ryan started the fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, I, I kind of remember Peter that episode. In the <laughs> Here's, <laughs> I think what ruins that song for me, ru- mm-hmm. ruins it, as if, as if somebody it. ruins it, if you're from a certain geography in the United <laughs> geographical area in the United States, he did that on Saturday Night Live when I first started watching it in like okay. 91 or 92. It's around when it came out. When, um, no, it was a couple years after. It came out in 89, I oh, want to say. It? Yes. Because I remember it came out when I was in junior high. Oh, Okay. Um, but he did it live when I first started watching Saturday Night Live. That was the cast with Dana Carvey. Did he have to read Dennis the words? Miller. No, it was just, I'm sure we can find it on YouTube. Uh-huh. We're probably going to edit most of this out. <laughs> but, um, it was like an organ he was playing instead of a piano. Yeah, it's a, it's and not it great music. it sounded awful. I mean, it, it was have like. Have you ever just listened to the song? Oh yeah, yeah. a million oh, times. Okay. Yeah, but it, it was it's like on the Saturday Night Live, it, was like, it sounded like. Do, 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 do. It was in that pitch like yeah. the whole time. I'm like, what the? Like, like a merry-go-round or something? Kind of, yeah. Or something you'd hear at a, a casino to keep you fucking gambling. You're just like, <laughs> oh, there's. Music. Do, 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 you know? It's repetitive. Yeah, it, but it sounded terrible. 
And that that might have been like the start of my hate hatred of Billy Joel. Oh. That could have triggered that trigger warning. <laughs> Billy Joel. Billy Joel. <laughs> it's a trigger. Saturday Night Live, 91, 92. Uh, it could have been eighty nine. I could have been watching a rerun. I don't know. Well, he mentions thalidomide, and specifically in the song. In the song, and I can even do. I have permission to sing. Permission, sure. please, to sing the verse. Oh, of course. Okay. Little Rock, Pasternak, Mickey Mantle, Kerouac, Sputnik, Cho and Lai, Bridge on the River Kwai, Lebanon, Charles de Gaulle, California Baseball, Starkweather, Homicide, Children of Thalidomide. Oh, I never picked up uh, on that uh-huh. lyric. Buddy Holly, Ben Hur, Space Monkey, Mafia, Hula Hoops, Castro, it's a no go. You didn't, Sigmund Ree, Pale and Kennedy, Chubby Chucka Psycho, Belgians in the Congo, we didn't sound. See ya. I, I can sing all yes, of it you if can. you want. I forget how much of shit that he fucking throws out in that mm-hmm. song. JFK blown away, what else do I have to say? JFK blown, blown away, what else do I have to say? <laughs> I'm Billy Joel! <laughs> I'm trying to be a blues man, but I'm really just a lame white guy. <laughs> he he did some good songs. Only the Good Die Young is a great song. I don't it's know. It's a little musical just... He's Broadway-ish. And that's fine if that's what all of us... But you can tell in his early... He's trying so hard to be something he's never going to be. Well, you know what ruins him entirely is more than a woman and the Italian restaurant shit he did. Ugh. Billy. William. William H. Joel. (laughs) William Billy. (laughs) So the way I learned about... Thalidomide. That sounds so excited about children dying. <laughs> children or, with thalidomide. Or babies. Yeah. Specifically, it sounds like. I looked up the lyrics of We Didn't Start the Fire and looked into everything like what's Sigmund Rhee or Cho and Lai or, you know, all that stuff. Yeah, half the stuff in that song I still don't. I exactly. Don't know what the hell he's talking about. I looked it all up at one point. I don't remember most of it, but I remember thalidomide. Children of thalidomide because, and you'll see why. It's, I didn't even know. That, that's. I'll give him kudos here. He put thalidomide into a song. I'm. He it, rhymed thalidomide. Yeah, that's. It's not quite up there. It's not quite up there with Eminem rhyming Munchausen syndrome. What did he rhyme? He rhymed Munchausen syndrome. With what? I can't remember now that I'm. Oh no. He didn't rhyme it per se, but he did his own. He fit it in to a lyric. I got you. Yes, and you're like, what did he say? And then you look it up and you find out what it is. Do you know what that is? Oh yeah, Munchausen syndrome. And there's Munchausen syndrome by proxy, I think is what it is. Yes. It's um when it's like you purposely keeping a yes, kid sick for, so like for a, sim- sympathy. Yeah. It's yeah, like it's, a psychological condition. Yeah, it's yeah. it's not good. No. Uh, but children of thal- thalidomide. 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 He, he rhymes it with homicide. Starkweather homicide. Children of thalidomide. It's a very very yeah. also I need to look into the Starkweather homicide. I know this isn't a true crime podcast, so we won't be talking about it, but. It was like an early serial killer from the oh. 50s, basically. Okay. Like, clean-cut white guy. They're always white guys. Usually are. Yeah. Not always, but white guys. You are a I mean, shifty you can, lot. You can catch that on our side podcast that we have not launched yet. Okay. And I fumbled over my words. <laughs> why I became an English person all of a sudden. <laughs> Betty, Betty, get me some tea. So, so here's a bird's eye view of thalidomide, and then we'll get into the details. So it's kind of a chemical, but not exactly. Well, here's it's, what it is. Okay. It's a drug, a pharmaceutical drug okay. prescribed in the 50s 
Is that what the actual, like, I'm going to the drugstore to get thalidomide? Is it, that... It was the uh, was the drug name. So okay. it wasn't necessarily... It was not the brand name, but okay. it was the drug name. Gotcha. Thalidomide. Gotcha. Like amphetamine mm-hmm. or, you know. Uh, so thalidomide was a drug prescribed in the 50s. It was eventually found to cause death and birth defects in developing <sighs> fetuses. Uh, the development of the drug ended up becoming highly controversial itself. Okay. Due in no small part to the people involved in its development, which we'll get into, and I guess the FDA is involved somehow, or was there? Yeah, we'll cover. Oh yes, there was, and we'll cover that. And thalidomide's catastrophic effects changed pharmaceutical research for the drugs that followed. Okay, so there is a there is a positive something good came out of it. Mm -hmm. It took something awful. It took lots of dead babies, but yeah. yeah. So. Which is usually how we make change in America. Something (laughs) awful has to happen first. Well, so the interesting (laughs) thing is that this is not an American-centric story. Okay, okay. Thalidomide was first developed around 1953 in Switzerland. Okay. uh, By pharmaceutical company Siba. I'm going to take a stab that that's how you pronounce it in Swedish. Siba. How is it spelled? C-I-B-A. Sure. Siba. Chiba. I don't think in... No, probably not in Switzerland. If it was Italian or something, I would say Chiba. Well, Italy's not too far from Switzerland. It's in Europe. Yeah. Well, that's true. No, they do, because the Alps run through yeah. Switzerland. Okay. Geography. Not true. Yeah, could be. Either one. I don't... <laughs> Either way, you know Switzerland, yeah, Italy. Whatever. They're those, practically the same country. Those Swiss. <laughs> and, they're, and they're fancy swatches. <laughs> and army knives. Yeah. Some people might be way too old for the swatch reference. Or are those coming back? I thought I'd... Whatever. I, I I don't remember. I remember hearing about swatches. I never had one. Were they colorful? Was that their thing? Oh yeah, they had it, every single one had a different design. That was like okay. the whole. And people would wear like five or six of them because it was <laughs> like you'll see that in eighties movies. Really? It, it won't be like a a detail that you'll catch because you're not necessarily looking for it. But yeah. Now that you know, I'll be looking for it. Yes. So the Swiss gave us swatches they and did. thalidomide. Uh, they gave us some. Uh, they gave us hockey, to an extent. They've given us some good players. They gave you hockey players, but did yes. they invent no, hockey? They didn't. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah, that, I phrased that wrong. Okay. Uh, so SIBO was trying to develop thalidomide as an anticonvulsant. Okay. So to stop seizures and such. But it didn't pan out, and they stopped research altogether on it. Okay. So they found it, came up with it, but it wasn't doing what they were wanting it to do, so they kind of dropped the research... But it was picked up by a West Germany pharmaceutical company. Remember, this is post-World War II. Yes. East-West Germany. Um, so this... Which com- just lasted all the way until 1991. Yeah. So this company was called Chemie Grunenthal. I'm going to take a stab at the German on that. Um, which is Grunenthal. 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 Yes, with an Uber. Mm. Grunenthal, which is now Grunenthal Limited. Um they re-examined the compound, and it was first introduced to the market in 1956, so a few years later, under the name Contergan, or Contergen, I'm not sure which, as a safe sedative with no apparent side effects and no apparent maximum dosage. So, like, you couldn't OD on it, and it seemed safe. I have a feeling I know where this is going, a sedative. We're mm-hmm. talking about, that's what they wound up using it for? Initially, we, okay. Initially, they're still its, going on. That was its purpose at one point. Research at, researchers at Kemi Grunenthal found that it was also effective as an anti-nausea medication for 
morning sickness. Yes. I, I kind of, yeah. yes. I was making that correlation, but I thought we were talking about towards the end. Like, because a sedative, like to kind of... Oh, like calm you down near yeah, the end of a pregnancy? Yeah. Okay. So well, I just I just had the spectrum wrong. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so this is at the beginning during... So this is at the beginning, beginning, because that's when morning sickness is, that's when... Usually in the first trimester, they say. Yeah, well, I, the first, like, two weeks in, two, three weeks in? I've heard the first trimester, but I've never been pregnant, never planned to be pregnant, so I don't know. I have two older sisters, and they've both been pregnant. I think you start... It can last. It can, but it can last the whole pregnancy. But the first trimester is most common. Uh, So they found that it was effective as an anti-nauseant and launched it in 1957 in an aggressive marketing campaign. Mm -hmm. As kind of ladies, we've got something for you. Yep, and not only that, but they kind of released it as a a wunderkind drug, like a a jack of all trades drug. Like this is going to be. Are you sick of being sick in the morning? Are you sick of that baby that you know that's coming, already kicking your stomach? And, well, it's not doing that then. Not at the beginning. But anyway. Are you (laughs) sick and tired of being sick and tired in the morning? Ah. Thalidomide. Except it's also a sedative, so I would think it would make you kind of tired. By Johnson & Johnson. No, by Kemi Grunenthal. That's right, but I couldn't remember. Johnson & Johnson had nothing to do with this. I'm going to guess at least one time in history, Kemi Grunenthal Uh and Johnson & Johnson have manage the same account. I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to guess their CEOs met each other at some point. I don't know. In the Swiss Alps. I have no idea. <laughs> so, uh, thalidomide was sold under, initially under the brand name Immunoprin? Immunoprin, maybe? Uh, but Immunoprin. Immunoprin. From... Kemi Grunenthal. From Joseph Goebbels. That's... <laughs> <laughs> Because this sounds like something he would have created. There's going to be <laughs> such a good callback later on. All right. Because like, Kemi Grunenthal. What was the name of the? What, what was the name? The oh, brand name. Immunoprin. Immunoprin from Kemi Grunenthal. Very good. You got the account. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired in the morning? <laughs> Thalidomide I'm, doing, I'm doing the ad like it would be on TV in the early days of TV when they did a live Did they ad. have TV in, well, no. Yes, in the 50s, West yes. Germany was the non-Soviet side, correct? Correct. Okay. All right. I'm going to guess somebody in West Germany. Because in TV. East Germany, a lot of things that were was, much more restricted. Well, that's why it's known as the Eastern Bloc. Anything, yes, okay. Yeah. Anything East in the title was mm-hmm. uh, under Soviet. Soviet control. That makes sense. All right, so it was sold under Immuniprint, but also a a bunch of other brand names. So that wasn't the only brand name it was known as. Um, And at this point in history, in pharmaceuticals, drugs and pregnancy, and drugs and their effect on pregnancy, were not super well controlled or researched. Mm -hmm. Well, this would be the start of them getting researched, it sounds like. Well, yeah. The uh, outcome of this. Yep. So not much was done in the way of testing for drugs causing fetal abnormalities or having an adverse effect on pregnancy. Hey, that was just a regulation that didn't make any sense. (laughs) Well. (laughs) We got uh, rid of that one. Actually, in general, scientists thought that the placenta basically protected a fetus from any drugs that the, the 
female ingested, that mm-hmm. the woman ingested, passing to the fetus. They kind of thought the placenta was a magical little bubble yes. for the fetus. Even though... And a unicorn lived inside. Right? Right. Even though by the late 50s, they realized they had come to know that <laughs> alcohol passed on to the fetus. So, that so did was, everything else? Well, yeah. Mostly so everything they, else? They knew better. It was way wrong. They, they, they did kind of know better. They were just beginning to learn better. Um, but regulations in West Germany allowed medication to basically only be tested on rats. And not even human testing was required. So how was the testing on rats going? Apparently well enough for them to sell it. Hey. And, but that was apparently pretty customary back in the 50s. Sure. They're like, yeah, there was like, uh, we had like nine or ten rats. How did our parents live through the 50s? Uh, that's a good question. It seems like everyone would just die if this was, I think what they was going ate, on. I think they ate better food. I think. <laughs> really? Like, honestly. <laughs> they ate stuff out of like TV dinners and cans not, and not shit. back then, no. People were... Still cooking all the time. There, well, that was the beginning of the convenience revolution. They had all sorts of this is... jello molds and aspic. A lot of, yes, you are correct. But I'm talking about like fast food, restaurants, things like that. That's when people still like ate at home every night. They weren't eating kale. I'm, I'm off. I'm on the tail end of that generation. It depends on who. And, uh, anyway. Yeah. You couldn't just go to Arby's and get a bunch of roast beef sandwiches. I don't. Well, you could. I, but I don't. I'm talking back that day. So okay. We had an Arby's in the Cena. I doubt there's one there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but at one time we did. So not only was this not really regulated, not tested on pregnant women, not tested on humans necessarily, um, but thalidomide... We're off to a good start. Yeah. Thalidomide was sold over the counter. No prescription necessary. Uh, so it was just like, oh, I'm... Like, it's like, just it's like Tylenol. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Uh, By so, the way, if Advil, if you want to uh, sponsor, sponsor us, <laughs> we'll just take, we'll, we'll leave the, we'll take the money. <laughs> and some of the pills, some of the time. <laughs> okay. Oh, you know, pain, back pain. And there you go. Thalidomide was also marketed in other countries very quickly, including the UK. So it started in the United States. No, not Mar- at all. Marketing. Or we're still in Switzerland. Yes, I haven't okay. even mentioned the United okay. States yet. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Because I, I guess I, I'm just thinking that's where everything's going to happen. No, this is, like I said, not a very America-centric tale. We're it not used to It sounds like much. something because of the no regulation mm-hmm. and, oh, we haven't tested on mm-hmm. anything but these five dead rats. Yeah. Oh, we haven't gotten <laughs> to the big reveal yet, so. Okay. Uh, so, under in the UK, it was sold under the brand name Distaval. Distaval. With explicit language that said... It is okay for you to use this during pregnancy. Like, not even that it didn't say anything about pregnancy. It said, use this during pregnancy, you're fine. That, it that gave is, express permission. That is just... Okay. All right. So, <laughs> eventually, thalidomide was marketed in 46 countries under dozens of brand names. But, here, here's your info for the U.S. for now. In the U.S., the FDA would not approve thalidomide. Oh, okay. For marketing and distribution, and it turned down its approval f- six times. And then somebody came along with six a times. big bag no, of money and was no, like, here. No, okay. it was literally never approved in the United States. Okay. We'll get back to that, but no, this is, like I said, this is not an American. We're not used to things not being about America. This is not about America. That's true. So about two years after thalidomide was released for morning sickness, so that was in 57, 
Uh, doctors began noticing nerve damage in some patients. So okay. it just became, this was not pregnancy related necessarily, but it was just like, hmm, maybe something's up with this. Uh, they turned it into a prescription only medication. So no longer over the counter, okay. but still available so, by prescription. So, we, we, so we've... We're pulled back a step. <laughs> we've uh, we've made a, a, yeah, a slight amount of progress. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, at least you need a, you know, prescription. You can just steal a prescription pad if you really want it. Right. But otherwise. But it was soon observed that there was a link between thalidomide and serious birth defects and even death in fetuses and infants. So they noticed this kind of right away? Well, by 1961 was when they made the solid link. Uh, Dr. William McBride of Australia and Dr. Widukin Lenz of Germany. That's very good. I, I'm not sure if that's how it's pronounced. That sounds fan- It sounds great. Say it with confidence. Vidokin. Vidokin Lenz. Yes. Of Germany, yes. Pro- they proved thalidomide was responsible for birth defects. And thalidomide was pulled completely from the market altogether because of pressure from the press and the public. Sure. Big outcry, outcomes. <laughs> uh, the pressure being, uh, my child is... Uh... Well, do you want to hear? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, first of all, here's something very interesting. Thalidomide was weirdly specific of what it damaged when in pregnancy. For example, if thalidomide was taken on day 20 of pregnancy, it would cause braid damage. Day 21, so, so, let's keep listening. Day 21, eye damage. Day 22, ear damage. Like, it was very so specific to the development. they had it down to the, to the day. They ended up sure. having... This is in retrospect. But they had probably... I'm going to guess... to. To get to numbers that are that accurate, they probably had to interview thousands of women? I don't know how they got to that conclusion. I don't know. That's very specific. It is. I thought that was very strange. But if taken after after day 42 of gestation, so this would be like six weeks in. Okay. No damage. So it was only a very early pregnancy. First six weeks of pregnancy. Unfortunately, as we discussed, morning sickness tends to be strongest mm-hmm. in the earlier stages of pregnancy. Now, here's what here's where we get into the awful, awful stuff of. This is why now it's kind of making sense. I've never, I don't know why this just popped in my head, but mm. now I understand. Like, do you think that this is part of the reason why women don't announce they're pregnant until the first trimester is over with? Like, that's kind of a. Because there's a lot of speed bumps to get through in the first trimester. Here is why, in general, women don't do that. The vast majority of miscarriages take place in the first trimester. Okay. Well, Across the board. So a lot of women choose not to announce it because if they announce it, then they have to kind of announce their miscarriage, too. And some women feel like they don't want to do that. Hey, like, uh... Well... uh, Yeah. It's actually... that's, That's pretty... Fucking awkward. Yeah, it's yeah for both parties. Yeah, I think it's I think it's completely up to the person sure. what they want to do. Some people have also said that they haven't announced their pregnancy, had a miscarriage, and then actually felt like they couldn't talk about it even though they really wanted to. So I think it it just completely depends on yeah, the person and the yeah, situation. I've never thought about. I, I'm sure it is probably a traumatizing thing. Incredibly traumatizing. If you want. A child, yeah. and you get pregnant, and then you miscarry. I mean, it's like, is there something wrong with me? Well, or just you lost, or? or you you lost like something that you were already starting to care about, yeah. you know, and really love and name potentially. I mean, it's oh my god, trigger warnings. We said for everything, but I 
Hopefully <laughs> we, somebody... We haven't, we haven't done a whole Good episode God. on dead babies until now. Oh, this my is God. Our, this is our first dead babies. Hopefully anybody who's <clears throat> had a miscarriage and for whom that is triggering is not listening to a podcast on thalidomide. Or on bad things. Uh, on just bad things. Yeah. yeah. That's why we say trigger warning for everything. Yeah, that Possible. Is, that is why we do. And yeah. uh, hopefully we're attracting an audience just with a morbid curiosity just like we have. Yeah. and That, and hasn't, that haven't been through... Like, neither of us yeah. have been through anything we've talked about. Right, obviously, right. Obviously, or we'd be dead, or maimed, or something. Or traumatized. Yes. So. <laughs> Everything bad. So, what comes next is going to be lots of trigger warnings. If you've made it this far, but you have a problem with, like... Uh, I'm going to talk about the defects. Okay. That it causes. Or that it caused. Um, so, among the fetal defects... Among the fetal well, defects... We already know uh, brain damage. Caused by thalidomide... Or, yes, that's true. Um, undeveloped or underdeveloped limbs. Mm. And I'm going to show you the picture of some kids. That is uh, really creepy. No, it's not creepy. Well, yeah, it is. It's but, not creepy. But you know what I mean. No, that's... I'm not trying that's to... That's ableist. I'm not trying to... I, <laughs> I know you, you hate when I use... It is... I'm sad for these kids. I'm See, not, it's I'm not, not creepy. It's it's sad that something happened <sighs> yeah, to them that they had no control over. It's right. But it's still also creepy. No, it's not creepy to look at them. They're perfectly fine children. You just feel sorry right. that, that something outside of their control that could have been prevented happened to them. Well, at least this didn't... Oh, well, we'll get into yeah. all that. But I'm, it sounds like they caught this... Well, we'll we'll get into that. It sounds like roughly three, four years after it went to market. We'll cut, we'll get into that. Okay. So, so under undeveloped or underdeveloped limbs, deformed heart and or a urinary tract, yeah. uh, blindness or deformed eyes or deafness and deformed ears, uh-huh. um, an inability for blood clot to clot normally, so blood blood problems, underdeveloped or in extreme cases missing lungs. Oh. And ingrown genitalia. Uh, yeah, it's just all terrible. It's all terrible. I'm trying to erase most of everything you said out of my mind. Right well, now. and imagine that it's your child who has. No, I, it's I just, don't. Know. No, it's not good to. It, no. You're right. It's not good to imagine. This was this was a very bad thing. Um, so the the death toll and deformity rate statistics are really tough to nail down. Well, they're probably pretty vague. Because yeah, because if somebody lived, I'm guessing some of these people are probably still alive now. Some we'll of them, get into that. Yep. But let's say you die when you're 55 because your heart just like that's um, not that's not normal to happen when you're 55. So that could still be a cause of death from you know what I mean. Like maybe a defect a, that wasn't immediately right. found out. Doesn't mean yeah. it had to happen. You died when you're four. Right. You might live to your 40, 50, maybe 60, right. but mm-hmm. because you were born the way you were born, that cut out potentially 20 cut, years. Cut down your lifespan. Yeah. yeah. That that's very. Like, hey, he made it to 50. Like that. Mm-hmm. That's as far as he was gonna go. Mm-hmm. But so it's it's t- thought that death due to thalidomide in infants. Okay. Or children or fetuses, I'm not sure. It's very vague as to what stage sure. of development they were in, um, but it was around 2,000 children. Okay. Um, That's, that sounds really low. We're still going. Okay. With an additional 10,000 initially surviving birth and living on a little bit, but still suffering from birth sure. defects 
and then about half of those dying early in a development. Yeah, let's just say um, they didn't have the highest quality of life. Well, the, the survival rate of infants exposed to thalidomide during fetal development was 40% overall. That's really... Really low. Really that means low. six out of ten died. That's yeah, yeah. that's shockingly low. I thought so you were gonna say kids, I thought you were gonna say like twenty five percent, something like that. No, so those kids, they were actually the of the forty percent. They were the minorities. They were the minorities who yeah. actually survived and lived on. Uh, so at this point thalidomide's pulled, right? It's clear that it's causing deformities and death and it's not on the market anymore in nineteen sixty one. Uh, but later on in the 60s, thalidomide's anti-cancer properties were studied. And trials were inconclusive and not much was done for a while until the 90s. Um, oh. It was studied again and some evidence for effective use of thalidomide as a cancer treatment emerged. So what it is, it, it is still approved in okay. some countries uh under some countries' regulatory systems for use to treat things like Crohn's disease, okay. leprosy, okay. and multiple myoma, which is a type of blood cancer. So I'm just going to go ahead and say of all these places where it's available again, they know not to give it to pregnant women. It, uh, yes. <laughs> okay. 100%. So, so it did something... Well, originally it was for what? It was for... Not nausea. Sedative. It was a sedative. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um and it was found like, yeah. And then Nasha was like, okay, we kind of got one. Like, this works. And then four or five years later, they discover uh, this is really bad. But that doesn't mean that whatever was created, it just didn't find its use. It's Potential- purpose. Yeah, they, they continued developing. And that, that happens it. with drugs a lot, mm-hmm. of, a lot of times. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, I made. Right. Uh, how they made um, erectile dysfunction pills, uh-huh. how they discovered. Like that's that was that pill was originally designed to treat heart disease. I thought I remember hearing yes. that. Yeah, the guys were like, "Well, my heart is still shitty, but guess what? <laughs> <laughs> I'll like, die happy." <laughs> yeah, like like I got a brand new VCR. I got a whole new collection of tapes. This is amazing. It would be back then too. Yeah, huh? it would. Yeah, because you were right on the verge, right then, of, of VHS and uh, DVD. I'm not right. dating myself at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> What is this streaming the kids are talking about? <laughs> YouTube. <laughs> Red tube in that case. Red tube. I thought it was really terrible branding that YouTube is calling their premium service Red. YouTube Red. Because it sounds like YouTube Red Tube. And Red Tube is a porn site. <laughs> oh, no. No, it's not, is it? Yeah. I thought Red Tube is oh, totally tube. a porn site. I was thinking Not of, that I would know. I was thinking of the Red Band trailers. No, no, okay. no. That's, that's something okay. different. All right. So there are still some surviving victims of thalidomide syndrome is what it's called. Thalidomide syndrome. Um, especially. And they'd be roughly 50 years old at this point. Oh, they'd be close. Well, they'd be closer to sixty. No, no I, let me let me keep yeah. going because there's a little bit of a disclaimer here. Um, there are a bunch of thalidomide syndrome survivors in Spain, especially where thalidomide was widely available through the eighties. Oh wow! Because of Spain's poor regulatory system at the time for drugs. Yeah. So, overall, it is estimated that 3,000 to 6,000 thalidomide babies, quote-unquote, um, are still living. So, several thousand people, especially large concentrations in Spain, 
are um, living with the effects of thalidomide. Oh, so Spain was like, like, uh, yeah, we know it killed a bunch of kids, but that was that was twenty well, years ago, and, and it wasn't even there. Just wasn't the regulatory system in place. Yeah. So the but somebody had to have known. Well, they knew. Obviously, yeah. they knew. They, they yeah. just didn't regulate that's, it. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, yeah. somebody made money off of uh, dead kids in Spain. Yeah, probably so a the, lot of money. So at this point, the oldest survivors are in their 60s and the youngest potentially in their 30s. Yeah, because it was available in Spain until what? The 80s. I don't not, have a... Not a specific year. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's a... Uh, yeah. That's a full 20 plus years after they discovered... Yes. Uh, this is bad. Yeah. Yeah. So, sadly, these survivors have relatively little compensation for the damage that the drug caused them. Um, so in 1970, Kemi Grunenthal agreed to pay about $28 million into a fund for the victims. In exchange, they were granted permanent legal immunity. Yeah, fuck that. In Germany. Yeah. yeah. They paid off. Be like, and if, you give us, if you give us uh, $528 million, maybe we'll reconsider those terms. But fucking $28 million, like, like, they probably make that... Uh, during their board meetings. They probably made day. way more than that on thalidomide. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So that's a, that's a good one to turn down. Yeah. Because, like, yeah, fuck you. Come back with a better offer. So that money ran out. <laughs> and the German government took over compensation payments mm-hmm. to the victims. And in 2009, Grunenthal added another one-time endowment of $63 million to the fund. So in total, they paid ninety-one million over you know, one in nineteen seventy and one in two thousand nine. Uh, in Germany, a compensation deal does provide a yearly maximum payout of about thirteen thousand five hundred euros. Okay. So many people living with thalidomide syndrome require constant care. Because of the yeah. the lack of ability to care for themselves completely, because of the the damage caused by the thalidomide, so in some cases this barely even scratches the surface of what they would need to survive income wise. Because they do have universal health care where we're talking about, but that doesn't mean it doesn't mean you get it doesn't mean you get twenty four seven care yeah, in your house if you need that or whatever. It means if you got to go to the hospital, no problem. Right? No, no, no. This is assistance. Yeah. Assisted know? living is you're still going to pay yeah. for that. So you ready for the the big reveal? I am. Yes. You kind of hinted at it earlier, but without even knowing when you couldn't oh. figure out. Remember Kemi Grunenthal? Remember where this all happened? It did. Well, this part of it happened in Germany. What year? Or era? So you're saying, Joseph, no, I know where you're going. Joseph Goebbels had something to do with this. Don't be so specific. The Nazis had something to do with this. Ding, ding, ding. Okay. You ready? So it was first tested in concentration camps? You're getting very close. Am I getting warmer? You're getting warmer. On, uh, on POWs? Well, you're, you're in the ballpark, let's just say that. Um, well, one, one thing, one preliminary thing before we get into the Nazi side of it all. Before we get to the Nazis, (laughs) just one thing. Just one thing before the Nazis. Just a little small detail. Tiny, tiny. Um, it is suspected that the company had early warnings of the potential for birth defects but and could have pulled the drug faster but chose not to until they got called out for it. So I would try to do a German 
accent, but I'm not exactly sure how to do one. And it would probably just sound really offensive. It would probably just sound like screaming and you, and you, and Nazis. You, and you'd, you'd probably yell at me for being offensive. So, so here's how. During the thalidomide era, the Kemi Grunenthal was known to have employed multiple wanted and convicted Nazis who were directly recruited by Grunenthal. And some had a direct hand in the development of thalidomide. And they were caught by the Gestapo and they're like, oh, we have some new recruits for the thalidomide. <laughs> no, here's, so here's a little bit of a rundown. Otto Ambrose, a Nazi war... Is that a name? Yes. Oh, okay. It's not a company. <laughs> no, well, no, no. I'm sorry, yes. Here's a rundown of the people. Otto Ambrose sounds like it could be I like, gotcha. like it's a German embroidery no, company. No, Otto Ambrose. Otto Ambrose. A Nazi war criminal ah. sentenced to eight years in prison in Nuremberg. He was a part of the Nuremberg trials. Uh-huh. Ended up as the head of Kemi Grunenthal's advisory committee during the Thalidomide era. 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 So we're talking the late 50s. This is after the whole world knows, oh, this guy was a Nazi. And, oh, yes, and yes, went, yes, and 100%. Yes. And went to jail uh-huh. for it. Yes. Yes, eight years and in prison, got out and started working for a drug talk company. About, talk about falling forward. <laughs> Uh, what, yeah. What, uh, what, what did you do? You were, you were about uh, 45? Uh, yes, yes, I am. What did you do in the 1940s, may I ask? Oh, I killed Jews. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, like, but he probably had that conversation with somebody. Yeah, like... It, well, this was like, back... Yeah, like, hey, weren't you the guy that like, you went to... I don't think they had the... Are you, were you ever convicted of a felony, like, checkbox back then? But what they did... They did have uh, a lot of newspapers back then. Well, people knew Nuremberg. Right, well, the Nuremberg trials are very famous. It's it's the height of right. any war huge. criminal trial that has ever happened really in the world. Did you ever see Judgment at Nuremberg? I don't think so. Spencer Tracy? It was about the... Th- oh, you're talking about... I thought you were talking movie. about the documentary. No. no, movie. I've seen, like, some documentaries about it, but not focusing solely on, like, they mention it and go... Gotcha. But, yeah. Yeah, the whole... Uh, so this guy's picture was probably in the paper all well, over the world. Well, he was also known for something else. You want to know what else Otto Ambrose was known for? Otto Ambrose. Otto Ambrose. He was one of the four inventors of Saren. The nerve gas. <laughs> Do you know... Uh, and he was the second inventor of the bathhouse. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. It's like, that would be his next step for falling forward. They, 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 the joke was lost night. 20 years later, it came, like, bathhouses and, like, San Francisco and, and like, AIDS oh, started. AIDS. So I'm like, oh. his progression of terror would be, like, he invented he the did. bathhouse next. But bathhouses weren't the problem. HIV was. But it, a lot... Of, Whatever. I'm just saying. That that was a really, like, one person will get that joke. <laughs> They'll see. Apparently it wasn't me. I'm saying. But I'm, the problem is I'm the only other person. I'm saying, really- like, the natural progression of this guy would be, okay, he was a Nazi. He went to jail for being a Nazi. Then he's the head of this company that winds up killing babies or mutilating them. So, like, the next natural step would be, like, AIDS. Like, he's involved with that stuff. Oh, oh, okay. I kind of <laughs> like, get it now. Like- I kind of get it. <laughs> But bathhouses is just the first thing that came to mind. Okay. So. All right. Um, he was also an expert on, I could be pronouncing this wrong, Tabun or Tabun, T-A-B-U-N. You've done, you've done pretty 
uh, remarkable with the with, with the. Thank you. I try pronunciation. Yes. I try. And that was um, a word I was couldn't even spit out. So tabun or tabun is tabin. Um, also a nerve gas. So he developed a couple of really bad things. <laughs> uh, he was also an advisor. Here's the U.S. connection to Dow Chemical. Oh. And the U.S. Army Chemical Corps. A no Nazi was a an advisor. A Nazi. They're like, oh, this, this guy's really changed. He's turned it around. You hear about this drug he's creating? Yeah, it kills babies. So Otto Embrus was one person. Wow. You ready for the next one? Sure. Is Mar- it Adolf Hitler? <laughs> no. <laughs> he was dead, remember? No, oh, that's right. Mar- or, or was he? Oh. Mm. Martin Stemmler, a leading proponent of genocide under the no. Nazis, who worked with the SS. Um, he I was would, head of pathology. I would love to hear what his arguments for genocide were. <laughs> he was, Talk about a morbid curiosity. Right. Like, what was he actually well, trying to convince no, people of? Ugh. He was head of pathology at Grunenthal at the time of that, the Little that, Mites development. Those two things just don't yeah. go very well. Head of genocide and... Er, <laughs> head of... Head of, <laughs> head of ge- he's the head of genocide. Head of genocide. He is a proponent of genocide. And the head of pathology. Yeah. yeah that's a That's a pretty... You could only make... The, like, that could only happen organically. Right. Like, you that could would, make it up. That would be a bad movie plot. Right? <laughs> Heinrich Muchter. Uh, sounds like a guy that would be involved in that, yes. Yes. A doctor in charge of the post-war development of thalidomide. So, he was high up in the thalidomide development. He carried out experiments in typhus vaccination mm. during the war. Who do you think he tested these vaccines on i'm gonna i'm gonna go out on a limb and say jewish people like at auschwitz mm-hmm. yeah yeah or anybody concentration that camps. or anybody that just was not german no i mean literally just literally just just on no, the no, no no i mean at the camp auschwitz yeah he did these experiments yeah, yeah. on the jews yes on on concentration camp prisoners shocking and then heinz baumkater and Ernst Gunther Schenk, who are also employed at Grunenthal, had also carried out experiments on concentration camp victims. Those guys just all sound like Nazis. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, they're all like, German names. No, no, but like occasionally, like, like you'll see a documentary about whatever during that time and be like, oh, Eric Smith, who was third in command of the Nazi, uh, Nazi Air Force, you're like, Eric Smith? Like, that, uh, that just isn't, like, he just doesn't, doesn't sound so German. It doesn't have the flash. Of like, a Heinrich Muchter? Yeah, that guy was definitely a Nazi. Or Heinz Baumkotter? Yeah, he was definitely a Nazi or too. Und to Gunther Schenk. Yes. I, I, those are all, you know, like propaganda sounding names, but there's <laughs> somebody's know. actual name. Uh, so, now to note, Kemi Grunenthal was not the only company who knowingly hired Nazis. I'm sure they were not. Specifically, Let's bring the good old U.S. of A. back into it. America's Standard Oil. Mm-hmm. And DuPont did. Oh, you know another company that did? Mm-hmm. Alcoa. Really? Knowingly hired Nazis. Oh, hired. Yeah. They were still doing business with Germany. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, I mean ah, actually hiring okay. people on their team. I mean, yes, that's a whole other ballpark. Mm-hmm. Game, but, all right. So let's get back to your questions about the U.S. and thalidomide. So remember, it got turned down six times mm-hmm. by the FDA. Uh, but there's an interesting sort of backstory there. Uh, in 1960, so this is right the year before it got pulled from mm-hmm. the market, 
Thalidomide was in the clinical trial phase in the U.S. Um, And an FDA pharmacologist, Dr. Francis Kelsey, heard the reports of the drug's adverse effects in Germany. So he He was was, already he he was already caught on to. And this is a day well before like global interconnectedness. This is literally a regulatory success story. It is in the U.S. Yeah. Yet you never hear about it because of this one doctor, Dr. Francis Kelsey. So he requested more data from the pharmaceutical company. Shit, hold on. That was the name of the company. Shit, come on. That would be a good name. <laughs> Shit, hold on. I think it was... Uh, Shit, hold on would probably be a laxative, though. <laughs> no, an anti-laxative. <laughs> or an anti-laxative. Yeah, a, a stool builder, Francis... <laughs> yes, okay. I'm going to redo this bit, okay? Okay, Because there's something very important. Okay. So an FDA pharmacologist, a Canadian a? pharmacologist, Dr. Francis Kelly, Kelsey... Dr. Francis Kelsey heard the reports of the drug's adverse effects in Germany and requested more data from the pharmaceutical company uh, who was trying to apply for distribution in America, which was called Richardson Merrill, to demonstrate its safety for using pregnancy. She, she, Dr. Francis Kelly, Mm -hmm. not he, she, is often hailed as the member of the FDA who protected Americans from thalidomide. It could have gotten all the way through and killed a bunch of American babies. Think about if that drug was trying to be approved today. Yeah, there, right? There, there'd, be, there'd be 10 television commercials about it a day. Well, I, I can't and, speak and there, to And there'd be process. piles of dead babies and be like, oh, that's not us. No, that's not, not true. That is not true. And we'll talk about why that's not true. But so she's... Uh, Dr. Francis Kelly was... a. Mm, a, a 19... I mean, this is a 1916. Mm-hmm. A Canadian female doctor basically held off thalidomide from killing like, American babies. Just like, yeah, like. She protected America, more or less. Um, although uh, the clinical trials were taking place, uh, um, it, it wasn't the clinical trial phase, so like 17 babies in America were born with defects, but they were because of oh, the clinical trials. Okay. It was not available to the public. Uh, so at the same time, uh, Senator Estes Kefalver of Tennessee uh, okay. was was investigating the drug industry as a whole in the U.S. and introduced a bill to Congress to enhance safety regulation of drugs. So he was a proponent of more regulation in the FDA. So for some drugs. some guy from Tennessee wound up being a champion of big government. A, a Democratic senator, in all fairness. Uh, but they were the conservative party in 1960. Oh, were they now? Yes, the Democrats were back then. Uh, so Kennedy was a conservative? No, he was kind of the first to get out of that mold. Well, this is 60. Yes, and LBJ being the second. They be, they turned the Democratic Party okay. into a liberal party. But okay. the Democrats were conservative Okay. up until that time. Another little history lesson. So Senator Kefalver had learned about thalidomide's effects through the work of Dr. Helen Tausig, notice another female doctor, um, of Johns Hopkins University. Oh, which is not too far from here. He's in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. The bill, so his bill kind of languished a little bit until 1962 when Kefalver kind of brought it up to the <coughs> press what was going on overseas with thalidomide and babies. 
And that helped revive his bill and get his yeah. bill passed. <laughs> By the way... Uh-huh. So the Kefauver harris Amendments to the 1938 Food, Drugs, and Cosmetic Act passed in, in 1962. The amendments required detailed and ongoing reporting to the FDA during clinical trials of pharmaceuticals. Prior to thalidomide, there were very few regulations for what the government could look into um, in as far as monitoring of clinical trials during pharmaceutical research. And doctors, this is this blows my mind. Doctors were not required to keep records of what drugs they had prescribed to their patients, or even follow up with them after prescribing. <laughs> uh, now, here's the thing: opponents uh, of the increased regulation cited higher drug prices mm. due to higher costs during clinical development. There's going to be less business development. Yeah, and uh, uh, the same dead babies are a small price to pay. The same arguments they use today. And patient autonomy. Yeah. Meaning the idea that patients Death should decide panels. for themselves. Yeah, if they want a dead baby or not. Yeah, what they take and don't take as long as it's safe. Hold on. I feel like I'm lose. I've lost a page, but maybe not. Maybe that's the end. I guess it is. But the the biggest takeaway the biggest takeaway that I took from this was, you know, there's all this big government and let's keep the government out of our lives and government is bad. Government keeps babies from dying from fucking deformities. Well, here's here's my argument to that when somebody's like, oh, dude, government it just doesn't work. I'm like, okay, uh, do you think it works for AT&T? Do you think it works for Johnson & Johnson? Do you think it works for Apple? Do you think it works for ExxonMobil? Right. Government works. Well, for certain people. Well, but here's here's the the flip side of it. What the, what the government has done in things like regulation is protect people cuz you right. know what happens when companies are left to themselves? Yeah. They don't test uh, drugs properly. Right. Children with uh, armless children literally are born. Yes, kids with deformities have to live the rest of their lives as a direct result of something that was harm that was caused to them by a negligent company. And at some point, that negligent company knew about it, tried to hide it. and Potentially. Yes, there are reports that that, that is exactly what happened. Yeah. After hiring Nazis! Yeah. Because the first thing when something... I'm not... I can't speak for what the business culture or even American culture was like in right. 1960 because I was not alive. Right. But this story happening today... Mm-hmm. If it happened today in America... There would have already been like thousands of dead babies, and there and I'm I'm really trying not. To, I don't think that's hyperbole. And there would literally be senators, probably Ted Cruz being one of them. Like like hey, like we got rid of that regulation because we wanted to give choice people the choice. This is about freedom. Yeah. The the one thing I will say, like, I don't know about that because apparently. Conservatives seem to like fetuses an awful lot, so maybe there would be... A as long as it's born. It doesn't matter if it's born with two heads or with three well, legs. Well, no, these were dying, right. too. But the fetuses of, were dying. I'm talking about the ones that were actually there, like, oh, whatever, he's out, he's good, he's, he's done. Uh, well, at any rate, it's it's just the, the government... Companies will not hold themselves responsible if they don't have to. Not if they're, and I'm going to guess this company in Germany was probably publicly traded in Germany. I don't know. That would be my guess. It sounds like they probably were. Um, 
But again, like tying it to America, if this had happened in America, it'd be a company that's publicly traded. And we know the bottom line for companies that are publicly traded is make as much money as you can. Right, exactly. It doesn't really matter how. As long as your next Mm -hmm. quarter is better than the last, Mm -hmm. who cares? Yeah. Investors don't really care that much. Exactly. So to me, what I got out of it was... um, it could have been so much worse. That's what I got out of it. Well, the the doctors it, who caught it, it caused seems, a public outrage, and that was... It seems like, yeah, some smart people kind of caught it, because it said it went to market in 1957. Mm-hmm, and by 1961, they're like, hey, they pulled it, correct? Mm-hmm. 1961. Yes, So that seems like some people caught wind of it probably pretty quick. Couldn't come out and shout fire in a crowded theater just yet and probably studied more and more and they're just like, okay. I told you how it happened. 1961, the two doctors definitively linked it. Right. But I'm talking about... I don't know how long they were developing that. I'm I'm just guessing. Mm -hmm. Like, their thought process is like, something's wrong here. We need to study it. And it probably took them, you know, some time to come to the conclusion of, okay. Yeah, I don't know how We feel safe in saying, this is causing this. Right, right. Yeah. And, and then the, the U.S. Regulatory Commission picking up on it and being like, eh. Oh. This one lady, mm-hmm. Frances Kelsey, picking up on it. It yeah. was one woman, one person, one doctor. Right. The, the other thing that it did that was sort of a positive slash negative is um, women of childbearing age are largely locked out of pharmaceutical trials, clinical trials. Because okay. of fears sure, that, that it's, fetal it's development. Because it's, it's all experimental. Yes. And there are fears that they could cause fetal abnormalities. They don't want another thalidomide on their hands, even at the clinical trial phase, even though they're more closely monitored now. The problem is that female bodies and male bodies, in certain ways, metabolize things differently. So they found that they they can have problems adjusting pharmaceuticals to be right for women's bodies because men's bodies are the ones that it's largely being tested on. So women of childbearing age, whether you're pregnant or not, whether you want to get pregnant or not, whether you can get pregnant or not, are largely discluded from clinical trials. Sure. It's kind of a critical piece it's of like research a, that's missing. It's kind of like a... Overabundance of caution. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because who wants another thalidomide on their hands? This was a big well, deal. It really... if. Like, if you're that early and you know, like, are you really going to take that chance? Pro- probably not. Well, you mean to be Honestly, part of a clinical right. trial? Yeah. yeah or if you're trying to get yeah. pregnant. Or if you even think that... <laughs> or on, like, the horror movie side of it. Oh, I just came up, like, like <laughs> I don't have any money for when this baby is born. They're offering me ten grand for this trial. Yeah. See if it'll kill the baby. Oh. No, just, well, yeah. If oh, we're that's talking awful. About, no, I, it's, I'm thinking of it in a, in a horror movie okay. sense. Like, the only women that are going to these clinical things are, like, poor women. That Oh. Oh, that's like a dystopian. Or a horror movie. Like, okay. Or both. Okay. That's, I'm sorry. That's where my mind goes sometimes. Yeah. Because horror movies are fairly easy to write. The movie is not necessarily a book. But, uh, gotcha. Anyway. Mm-hmm. I didn't mean to gross you out. That's all right. <laughs> but it is a good idea for a horror movie. Okay. Just like a cloud of CO2 coming down a, a mountain. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> That's like... Oh, that, that a is... A cloud of CO2 coming down the mountain while this company is 
giving killing babies, killing poor people's babies on purpose. Like both of those things happened at once. I thought of it. I'm gonna go write it down and it, make make millions of dollars now. It might be overkill, <laughs> literally. Uh, I, I don't think it can be. It's two true events colliding into one. Th- thalidomide, carbon Lake monoxide. Neos. Thalidomide at CO2, Lake Neos. Thalidomide at Lake Neos, CO2. <laughs> TM. <laughs> yes. That's all mine. So that was thalidomide? That was, uh, that was a crazy story. Yeah. I, like, again, thalidomide, that's even a tough word to say. Like, you gotta... <laughs> thalidomide? Thalidomide. Um, Children of the Lidamite. Yeah, I had no idea that it was a lyric in a song, mm-hmm. for one. I had I had heard of it, I mm-hmm. guess. Peripherally? Probably. It sounded familiar. It sounded like... It sounds to me like a chemical, like something mm-hmm. that like, got dumped in a river or whatever. Like napalm or something? Well, not like that. I know what that is. <laughs> well, like, yeah. But like, you know, just some weird catastrophe. And that's kind of what this was. Although it was... Preventable. There, there, there's a debate on whether it was weird or if it was on purpose. Like, well, you know. not purposeful. They weren't trying to kill babies. Right. Nobody ever really accused anybody of that. But it, but it was like, literally, Nazis had some part in the formation of this drug. So yeah. there's always, there's always, there's always something suspect, suspect. when Nazis are involved. <laughs> Just always in whatever it was. If four That's- of them, if four of them went to go get a soda. Like, there'd still be something fishy about that. That's the takeaway from today. There's always something fishy when there's Nazis involved. those damn Nazis. (laughs) Like, you can't try, you can't take your eye off them. Not for a second. But, but I, I did learn, I, again, I vaguely knew peripherally Mm -hmm. something about it, but now that, like, we've gone through it and, and what it was and how it could have been so much worse. It, it could have been, it could have been worse and it could have been prevented too so yeah it's, yeah so there's a there's a good and a bad on yeah. on either side yeah like well the good thing was they noticed it the right. bad thing is that it maybe should have never happened in the first place yeah so yeah and now it's a drug again for cancer for cancer and crohn's disease yeah, they just kind of they kind of got it wrong on what yeah what, what it to was do for. with it yeah. yeah you know what it was not good for babies yep mm. fetuses fetuses Pregnancy. Yeah. So, so that was the thalidomide. Thalidomide. And it was a bad thing. It was a very bad thing. And it was uh, very interesting and uh, crazy. And hopefully that never happens again. But yep. Never <laughs> know. Never know. Once again, I'm David. I'm Rachel. And this has been All Bad Things. See you next week for another bad thing. Auf Wiedersehen. Auf Wiedersehen.